We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone. I'm Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. On Perpetual Chess, I have weekly conversations with the chess world's best players, promoters, and educators about their lives, careers, current projects, and best practices. For more information, go to perpetualchesspod.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Perpetual Chess. I am here with uh, with uh, Sweden's number one player, Grandmaster Niels Grandelius. Niels, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. So it's good to have you on here. And when I reached out to you, you were, you had a very good excuse for not being able to record. You were uh, just getting settled to play the London Chess Classic FIDE Open. Um, so I like to look up how uh, guests do in tournaments like this. So I know that, you know, to not keep people in suspense, they might have seen anyway, you basically uh, came in about where expected statistically with a tie for fourth place. But how did you feel about the tournament? Uh, Result-wise, I mean, it wasn't great, as you said, but it wasn't that bad either. Though I, I do feel that I missed a lot of opportunities. Basically, in all, all of my drawn games, I was at least much better, if not winning, in all of them. So, I mean, it could have been much better, but yeah, it wasn't so bad. Yeah, it could all. have been worse, too, I would think. Could have been worse, too, but actually, <laughs> in this time, I, I had 
I think one position was really bad, but in the rest I was in control more or less. So, I mean, I have to probably work on deciding the big advantages. Okay, on converting them, yeah. <laughs> yes. So when you, have a, when you have a result like that and now you've come back home, you're in Sweden, correct? Yeah, actually, at, at the moment, I'm in Copenhagen at my girlfriend's place. But Okay, yeah, you but had mentioned Copenhagen near. in email, so that's the only reason I wasn't, I wasn't sure. But. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I have a flat in Malmö, but my girlfriend lives in Copenhagen, so I'm here most of the time. Okay, I really and like... It, it, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's just a hal- half an hour train ride, so it really isn't that big of a difference. Great, great <laughs> I mean, city, too. I haven't been to Malmö, but I definitely like Copenhagen. Yeah, definitely. No, I like both of them, but yeah, Copenhagen is a bit bigger and yeah, no. more more cosmopolitan. Yeah, a bit, a bit. Okay, but Malmo is great as well. Nice. And is your girlfriend a chess player? She yes, definitely. I mean, he she is mainly studying in, at the university, but uh, she also plays chess. Yeah. Okay. She's a member of the Danish national uh, female team. Nice. So I'm sure. So I'm sure it helps her understand like how. Something like, for example, your tournament, like even though to the to the untrained observer, one would think you would be pretty happy with that tournament. But, you know, us chess players know that it it can uh, it can stick with you and be frustrating. Exactly. It's quite nice. Like I can explain more or less what happened in the games and she will understand like in a way that I think a non-chess player wouldn't be able to at all. Right. And so for a tournament like this, like you've come back home now. So what's you, I mean, I'm sure you looked at some of this stuff, for, like the key moments of the games right away and probably turned the engine on if that's your philosophy. But like, so when you come home, what's your routine for like a deeper dive into the games? Uh, mainly, I, I mean, I'm trying to like uh, annotate the games to myself and uh like try to actually put all my thoughts into into something written. So, and then, yeah, basically, kind of just think about it. And uh, more often than not, I ask friends of their opinions, and I mean, I try to make some kind of conclusions. And oh. only then, only then do I switch on the engine. Like after I've done all that. Normally. Nice. Yeah. That there's several grandmasters who've been guests on this program who've given the advice, like Robert Hess and uh, Jesse Cry, uh, have said, like you know, you have to. You're much better off not turning the engine on until until you've really done painstaking analysis on the game. So- yeah, I wouldn't say that I analyze them. I mean, very thoroughly without the engine. Like I don't spend that much much of time. I'm just kind of trying to gather my thoughts so I know what I actually think. Because the thing is, with the engine, I mean, once you have seen an evaluation, you cannot unsee it. Right, exactly. I mean, and and it's actually very disturbing. Like, uh, it's very hard to remember exactly how your thoughts went during the game if you already have checked it with an engine. Right. I mean, it's much easier to do that last. That makes sense. And you mentioned that sometimes you'll want to bounce ideas and get the input of uh, fellow um, grandmaster friends from your game. So if you do that, do you send them the whole game or do you send them a specific position? Or like, how do you go about it? Uh, depends from, from time to time. But uh, I mean, usually I, I just send the whole game with all annotations and all the conclusions and then ask for the opinion of some specific moments. And if they want, they can have a have a bigger look. But from time to time, I also just ask very specific, like... Often it's like how how could I miss this move or how could I like uh, evaluate this position so wrongly or huh. or like do you think those five uh, mistakes are connected in some way? Oh, that's like, interesting. I mean that that's kind of that kind of and I think I or more often rather that do you think 
this way that I think they are connected is true, or do you think they are connected in another way? Let's say right. So I mean, yes, you you put up some theory and you ask for like just more input. Okay. And in terms of uh, where you are currently with your chess, uh, I don't know your your FIDE rating to the dot, but you're around like twenty six sixty, right? Yeah, twenty around twenty six fifty. Okay, and I mean, basically, uh, I, I've been bouncing out on, in of the top hundred for for a while. Okay, um, it's a it's a good problem to have, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you're uh, critiquing your game like that, like in terms of your most recent games, what are the themes that you're coming across uh, that that you feel like maybe you need to work on, and maybe your friends have different ideas or they agree? I mean, it could be. It's very varying from tournament to tournament and from like quite often if you're weak in an area you work a lot on it and then some other area will will be the next problem let's say. Okay. Um, but from I mean from for let's say let's say now in London it's very clear that the converting is was the main issue. Okay. Like and, and, and then I have to I mean find the find a way to to work on that. Yeah, and I saw an uh interview from a couple of years ago with uh your sometime coach, Grandmaster Agrest, and he sort of indicated that tactics and openings were your strength at that time. So maybe this is like a bigger theme to uh, to round out your game a bit. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But okay, it's also an evolving process, and it, those things changes. Like for, for example, I would say that my 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 tournament before then actually openings was perhaps one of my my weaknesses, and I mean it changes like. If if you let's say work a lot on openings, then it's very likely that you will get good positions, and then you can use it for a while. Right. But then at some point you have kind of used up all your IDs or most of them, and I mean then you have to like actually sit down carefully and check a lot of stuff again once more, and like it goes in uh, in periods so like this. At least for me. Right, because the theory changes, and you also probably need to refresh your memory at times. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and just. Uh, I mean, let's say you work, you sit down for a couple of weeks, you work, you find maybe 10 interesting IDs. And then you play two or three tournaments and you tried maybe half of them or even seven, eight of them. Then you're left with quite little and, okay, you have to sit sit down again. Right. But so it's not like I do like continuous work a bit every day. It's more like big chunks of work on different areas. Okay. Yeah, so kind of like a, a student schedule where you have finals coming up and you cram for them. You know, and then uh, then you yeah, coast for a no. bit. Exactly. No, I mean it's not like I don't do nothing. I mean then I do other things. Yeah, like, right. So. Uh, so what's next for you? What's um what's next on your schedule? Next, I'm going to play the Rilton Cup in Sweden, our main open tournament in Stockholm. Okay. When is that? So it starts the 27th of December. Okay. Well, I'm December. sure. I'm sure it's nice. You don't have to travel too far. Yeah. No. Sure. But. Uh, okay, living in Europe in general, I mean, it's it's never too far. It's maximum an hour or two with flights. So, right. I mean, it's very convenient. Yeah, and I, I imagine that since this is in Sweden, it'll be a lot of a uh, lot of players you've you've played many times. Yes, definitely. Which is, I mean, actually, generally, I prefer to play new players. But uh, nowadays, I play so rarely in Sweden that. Uh, that it's okay. I mean, it's still interesting. And is it a closed tournament? No, it's an open tournament. Okay. Nine rounds. Okay. So, so there will be some foreigners as well. Okay. And do you have a preference between like open and closed tournaments? 
I like ver- variety, basically. Okay. I mean, it's generally we play more open tournaments than than closed on on my level, or at least I do. Right. So when there comes a closed tournament, it's a bit special and a bit more interesting. But uh, like, if I play a couple of those in a row, then I'm very eager to play an open tournament. Right. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. So one thing I um getting back to talking about openings one thing I admire from your games is you 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 know you've played obviously being uh in and out of the top 100 you've played some of the very best players in the world Nakamura, Caruana, Magnus, Anand um but I like that you you play attacking games against them you don't hold anything back uh, I know that uh I I I watched your annotation of your game with uh Magnus from last year on chess 24 and i know that against caruana you also had a sharp night or so what governs your thinking for like deciding what to play against generally players but especially like the world the world elites i mean basically um i think of myself as quite quite a dynamic player and i i mean i thrive in sharp positions and uh, very unclear stuff rather than the more uh, slower positional games and I think that when you play the the very the very best, it makes even more sense to stick to your roots and uh, like really try to challenge yourself in the areas where you where you think you are you're doing well. Yeah. A- like yeah, I mean, I'd rather like play a couple of fighting games and lose some than than to try to be slightly worse in all of the games and hold most of them. Right. I mean, it's not clear what what actually gives me the most points, but. Uh, I mean, it's definitely the way to to improve. I think. I mean, you have to challenge yourself. Yeah, and and I think you're more likely, especially with someone like. Ma- I mean, both Magnus and Fabiano are like incredibly, like obviously, in addition to being amazing at chess, they're very solid. So it's good yeah, to no, try to make them uncomfortable. And also, I mean, for them, it's uh, it's also a bit unpleasant if they. I mean, they have to decide should they go into a theoretical duel or not, and. Uh, I mean, for them, it also makes sense to back down and just play chess. But then already, I mean, some. Some initiative is on my side, right? That I, I force them off of their normal paths. Oh yeah, and so in these games, I mean, you've gotten to play all these guys. Probably, I mean, I didn't go back through your whole history, but I know you've gotten to play them in the last couple of years. So, what have and you've held your own results-wise? Um, what have been your takeaways, both from like sitting across from them and and if you got a chance to analyze with any of them? You mean what what they differ from me? Sure. In what yeah. way? Uh, I mean, ba- basically, they are they are more stable. I would say is the main. Uh, like as you say, I mean, I'm keeping up quite well normally when I play when I'm in shape and I I'm having a good day. And there is still some difference, but it's not that big. It's just that I have, I mean, from time to time some off days, and I think they come much more rarely for for them. Okay, so also for me to to play, let's say with them, it takes more energy from me than it takes from them. Like. I have to really focus more than they do, and I have to like put a lot more energy. So, yeah, I would think that there's just uh, you probably like I know I would feel like a heightened tension to begin with, whereas yes, for them it's, it's definitely. just another game. But um, you can see, I mean, for example, if you take a tournament like uh, like the World Cup, you will see that there are quite a lot of upsets in the first couple of rounds. For sure, but, but then. As it progresses, the ones who made some upsets, I mean, it becomes rarer. Right. Because it's clear that those, uh, the, I mean, the underdogs that made it through, they spent much more energy than the than the higher-rated players, like, throughout. And after a couple of days, I mean, even for me, like, if I play, let's say, an open tournament, 
and I mean uh, on the top boards for all of it. And the last couple of rounds were quite tough. I mean, I will be much more tired than them. That's just uh, unavoidable. Right. And the way to, I mean, the way to like I just need a lot of experience so that I I I'm not that nervous and you know I'm more used to the situation. That makes I mean, sense. Basically, 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 just getting stronger. And before that, it's basically. I mean, it, it's just much more tiring, but also interesting. Okay. You so, can see also, like, let's say in the Isle of Man, I was playing with Fabi, and I was playing with Anand, and uh, with Mickey, and I don't remember exactly, but I didn't lose any of them. And then in the final round, I lost a game, finally. And who did you play in the last round? I, I played with Sutovsky, with Black. Okay. Okay, he played quite well. It, he sacrificed, it was sharp. I could have made a draw, but I didn't find it, and... I mean, basically, yeah, I think he was a bit fresher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, so, but to, what can you do, like, to uh, improve your consistency and your stamina in tournaments? I mean, uh, physical shape is, of course, important. But uh, apart from that, I think experience is the main, uh, okay. main thing. Well, the, yeah, you're, you're only 24. And even though uh, these guys, for the most part, seem pretty young to me, with you know the notable exception of Anand. Uh, um, amongst the people we've named, we also had Peter Svidler with uh, the amazing result of winning the uh, the Russian Championship for the eighth time. So shout out to uh, my fellow forty something. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. but um, so I guess you have time on your side, is what I'm trying to say. Luckily, being you're 24, right? Yeah, pr- yeah, I'm 24. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess, but okay then. I mean, I have to all, all the time try to face these players to, to get the experience. Right, yeah. And that doesn't mean that you'll assimilate like the necessary lessons just like uh, naturally. You have to put in the work. I have to put in the work. And also, I mean, that's why I'm generally trying to choose like the toughest tournaments and uh, and so on. Like I, I love to play, like for example, in the Isle of Man. And now after Rilton Cup, I will go to Gibraltar where also it's, I mean many strong players yeah that's one of my favorites as a fan um i love the big open i love the big open tournaments where uh you know some of the the world elites play to me those are the most entertaining to watch no, like, definitely and to me to, to play they are also of course the most entertaining good yeah so uh hopefully uh i mean hopefully organizers will keep having conditions to attract the the very top players because that's really i mean the tournaments already happened so it's just a matter of of attracting the very best whether yes definitely no. prize money or I, I conditions. Think, i think it's very important um for the chess world yeah um so how far out do you plan your schedule so you know you've got uh the Rilton cup and then isle of man no then gibraltar oh sorry <laughs> gibraltar <laughs> then gibraltar and then uh, okay we have the european championship which is normally very strong yeah. Okay. And also the, I mean the the tournament to qualify for uh, for the World Cup. Okay. So that's in uh, March. Okay. So and while you're home cooling your heels, what's a typical day for you like? Well, I try to to work. I mean, in in different ways on chess, some six seven hours a day, I guess. Okay, that's uh, like, admirable. Yeah, probably around yeah, probably more around six. I mean. Let's say thirty hours a week. I think is uh, is what I really do normally. Okay, and about. and if you look at a game, you know, from a tournament that's ongoing, like, would you consider that part of the thirty hours? If you like, you know, wake up and log on to to Chess Twenty Four or Chess Bomb and just check out a few games, does that count? 
Normally not. I mean, I mean, as long as you're very active, it, it counts, I guess. Okay. Like, let's say if you switch off the engine and then, like, really try to figure out the next moves and try to evaluate, like, if you put in a big effort, then it's training for sure. But, like, as long as you stay passive, I think it's it cannot be called training, really. Okay. And do you have a favorite player amongst the, the current or, or or historical, for that matter, like a favorite player whose games you like to uh, to check out in particular detail? Not really, no. I mean, uh, the ones that are in shape and they play with a lot of like energy and uh, like interest, I mean, they're always following, but it changes all the time. Okay. Like now for the last, I don't know, half year, it's been very interesting to follow Aronian because he has some great ideas. But, yeah, yeah. But it, but it changes continually. Like, So do you have... Um uh, you might not want to say, since you see these guys all the time, but like with the candidates coming up in a few months, do you? Who do you favor, if anyone? Well, I think lately Aronian has had the best results, I guess. Okay. But, uh, but uh, on the other hand, he hasn't been that successful in the last candidates, so I think it's a very open story. Yeah, it should, it should I mean, be. Eight exceptional chess players, and uh, it's so much about nerves, and like uh, it's such a long tournament, and. You're not allowed to collapse at any moment. So. Right. Very hard to predict. Yeah, it should, it should be interesting. And yeah, who knows what I mean, will it's, happen. It's, I think it's the greatest event, I mean, in the calendar normally. Yeah. Okay, yeah. the match, World Championship match is also, I mean, exciting in, in its own way. But with seven games going on at the time, these candidates is, I think for me personally, it's the most interesting thing to follow. Yeah. So do you... I guess you don't know yet if you'll have. You probably won't have a tournament then. Like, will you? Do you make an effort to watch it live, or do you just like you know live your life and sometimes you watch, sometimes you don't? Depends. Uh, depends a bit where it is and so on. But I mean, now it's in Berlin and it's very convenient, so I might go there. But normally, I'm watching from home. Okay, nice. I mean, that's that's the most usual. Makes sense. Okay, so so Nils, uh, one of the most interesting things, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things about like any player of your caliber as far as I and the listeners are concerned, but you were on uh, Magnus's World Championship team, speaking of uh, the World Championship cycle, and our, our, I was able to, to get a few questions out of our mutual friend Jan Gustafsson. Uh-huh. <laughs> so brace yourself. <laughs> uh, sure, sure. <laughs> the, fir- the first thing Jan said was that you genuinely like chess so that you're impossible to talk to, which I think was a joke, but you never know for sure <laughs> Um, impossible to talk to uh. right yeah because because you you like chess too much and he wants to talk about like the wire but <laughs> ah okay <laughs> yeah but, uh, we had some problems when we did commentary that he he wanted to <laughs> talk about other stuff <laughs> right uh, well with all his banter blitz and stuff in his defense he's he he has uh more hours log talking about chess than than uh definitely definitely no than, i understand also We're going to take a quick break from the interview in order to tell you about our sponsor, ChessUniversity.com. For those of you looking to improve your chess in the near future, ChessUniversity.com is doing a winter sale on all their courses and offering a special discount to perpetual chess listeners. Right now, if you head to ChessUniversity.com, you can get an additional 20% off any recorded course in their online store. That includes courses by world champions Anatoly Karpov and Vishy Anand, as well as previous perpetual chess guests. I am Nazi Pekidzi and I am Kostya Kovutsky. The various courses range from beginner level all the way up to 2200, and they typically combine multiple hours of video lectures along with additional puzzles and exercises for solving. If you'd like to get the 20% discount, make sure to use the promo code PERPETUAL at checkout. 
That's P-E-R-P-E-T-U-A-L at checkout at chessuniversity.com. It's a great way to support the podcast while working on your path to chess mastery. They are also known for their Prodigy program, a monthly all-inclusive coaching program that includes live classes from today's top coaches, grandmasters, and even world champions. The Prodigy program will continue in January 2018, and it even includes a section for players rated over 2,000. So what are you waiting for? Visit chessuniversity.com and use the promo code PERPETUAL during checkout to save 20% on your first course. Okay, back to the interview. So one thing he said is, ask about math strategy. When When is 50% good and when should one go for plus one and risk falling to minus one? Yeah, but yeah, we had uh, these long discussions and in partly joking, but also like, <laughs> I mean... Uh, it's it, in some ways. I mean, uh, we were on, like the match was tied, and uh, you know uh, the feeling is you really want to have like plus one would be such a huge difference. But on the other hand, I mean you're not in minus, so it's not that. But I mean it's. I guess my point was that. Uh, how to say? I mean it is what it is, and I mean you have to you have to work from there. I mean it, it doesn't make so much sense to. So which like, of you was uh, on the more risk-seeking side of this argument out of you and Jan? Like, which one of you thought that he, Magnus should try harder to win in a given round? Um, no, probably no one. I think we all wanted this kind of controlled aggression. Uh-huh. But perhaps I was slightly less uh, less concerned of... Uh, yeah, that would have been uh, my guess. Just yeah. what I know about Jan's... Uh, drawing proclivities and your <laughs> your aggressive chess style <laughs> that that would have been yeah. my guess and like but, oh, but still i mean at some moments i mean magnus was trailing by one point so it was a bit uh like it was a bit tough uh, yeah and but, hmm? okay so when you guys were on the team were, were I can't remember. I feel like I probably knew this at some point but cuz I know you weren't with him in New York but were you guys together where you were Yes, we were together in Norway. Okay. And so, you know, your tasks... So are you tasked with preparing specific openings, or how was the work delegated? Yes. That's, okay. That's it, basically. I mean, we uh, we got some tasks, and uh, and we had to work on them, basically. Okay. Um, and, you you know, it would, bas- it would usually be divided up, I gather. Like, Jan gets one thing, you get another. Or would you, like, have a partner in, like... No, I, 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 we were kind of helping each other quite a lot okay like i think generally the idea is that you know more people see more and, and they they understand more like right it gets much more solid i probably i mean if you have your own tasks it could be that the work is a slightly faster like slightly more ef- efficient but i think the quality is it just gets much better if you're like always asking for second opinions or even third opinion sometimes right and in terms of this conversation about like how much you know how much risk to take in order to try to get a lead, uh, this like did you guys feel like you were involved in the strategizing of the match, like the big picture strategizing, uh, or was this more of a philosophical conversation for you and Jan? I guess more philosophical because okay, first of all, you have to. I mean, you're trying to play well mainly uh, right. as a player, and uh, the player himself, like Magnus himself. I mean, he's of course the one who. Who uh, who's in charge of everything? Yes, of course. Ob- obviously, so like, uh, I mean, we are trying to do our best to support in every possible way. And if 
if like input is needed, we will be happy to help. But uh, but generally, okay. I mean, our job is to prepare him. Okay. In the openings, so that makes sense. And uh, how did you enjoy the experience of being a second overall? Overall, I thought it was great. I mean, it's I I, I really like to not only play chess but also analyze chess and discuss chess. And uh, I mean, this was a period uh, with uh, with a lot of chess every day, like really intense. Right. And uh, okay, we had I think we had great atmosphere in in the team. We were really like getting on well with each other and. Uh, I mean, at some point, maybe it's like you would you would have wanted one or two days off, but I right. mean that's about it. Very generally, it was a very very positive experience okay. and very interesting because, like, when you sit down there, I mean, for such a long time and work on on the openings in such depth, I mean, it's something completely different than when you sit at home working for your own. Right. Like, it's... okay, I know I have to play some grandmaster in some open tournament. I mean, it doesn't require me to spend like. 40 hours double checking some very specific i mean it's simply not not an efficient way for myself to to spend my time right but it is in a match and it's very interesting to go go to such depth yeah yeah i mean that's chess history happening you know in real also, time also also to be to be part of that is but is great of course and also like yeah i mean it's very interesting to work with someone like magnus because he's so exceptionally strong Okay, but, so uh, but apart from that, the actual like just purely chess part was also very fun. I thought. Okay, so Nils, once you have the like, you get assigned a certain opening, and then like you you do your prep. Like once once you have what you want to distill to Magnus, uh, do you like interface with him directly, or do you like submit it like to be given to him, or how does it work? Uh, well, I mean. Uh, Peter was there, and right? Peter yeah, Heine Peter Heine 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 Heine. He was in New York, so like he, it was much easier for him to explain, uh, like in person, what was going on. Okay, but so like, normally he he was the the guy to to go to. Okay, but so once you have what, like they say, okay, you know, prep some stuff on the night or if in case he needs to win with black, and you would prepare it, and then you give it to Peter. Yes, basically. Yeah. Okay, and do you like talk through it on Skype or just prepare notes or how does it? Work. No, it's it's definitely like uh, some communication involved. Okay. Like it's, I mean, it's never uh, never one way communication in such cases. Like you have to go back and forth and and to see if it makes sense at all and so on. Makes sense. Um, so just a couple more questions about this this match. Mm-hmm. I mean, this mm-hmm. is for us, like listeners. This stuff is gold because it's like you know we never we'll never see behind the scenes like this. So yeah, yeah. so going into the last round when Magnus had even the score, but prior to uh, the action round, um, when Magnus just took the quick draw, did you guys have a sense that that was going to happen? Uh, actually, I think I will pass this question. Okay, <laughs> that's it's, reasonable. If it's okay, if yeah. it's okay uh, uh, I mean, this is this is some specific. I mean, yeah, I'd rather pass this question. Obviously, yeah, that's to- <laughs> totally understandable. But I, I had to ask. It's uh, yes, sure, sure. Of great curiosity. Okay, so um, pivoting to a couple other questions from Jan. Uh, one of them is uh, ask him about the value of sleeping ten hours a night, and if you could function on eight hours a night. Ah, uh, yeah. No, this is also. Uh, I'm quite known for my, I don't know, even infant uh, sleeping habits or how, how to say. Like, I sleep really, really a lot, especially when I play chess. 
That's funny. Well, I mean, it's obviously known to be quite good for the brain and, you know, certainly need it. I think it. so. I mean, I can also tell easily, like, uh, when I'm at home compared to when I'm at the tournament, I'm easily sleeping in average an hour or more at tournaments. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, chess is exhausting, so... <laughs> it is, it is. I mean, and it's more exhausting to, like, play than to work at home. Yeah, and you can tell, like, so can you tell the difference if you slept 8 versus 10? Uh, yes. Okay. Normal, no, normally, yes. I mean, it depends also, you know, the like, how many, like, in the, the sleeping cycles and when you wake up and... Right. I mean, many things, but, uh, like, general level of stress. and but But generally, yeah, I mean... I think it's it's a very important tool to during tournaments to be able to sleep a lot. Okay. And um Sorry, I just Oh, okay. So like when you're in uh when you're in the midst of a big open tournament and you get your pairing the night before, I, I gather that like you're not like how much preparation are you doing versus just concentrating on getting rest for a specific opponent? I've al- always been more on the <laughs> resting side or <laughs> Okay. Like uh for example, now in London, the pairings came came out at midnight. Uh, like I mean, pairing for the next right. Day. And I I was not once awake. Oh like, wow, that's that great discipline. That, that you I didn't. Mean, uh, no, I mean I'm going to bed at little around eleven and wait, try to wake up at nine or I mean nine thirty even. And would so, you? No, I mean I didn't even see it once. <laughs> would you try to figure out? I mean, who you would play? No, no, no. You wouldn't even all. bother. No, because okay, like you're then always you will get some kind of emotional right value to that. Like oh, I really hope I will play him, or I hope I don't have to play that guy. And right, and then okay, I mean basically you would be, uh, I mean it will not generally be beneficial. I think okay. So then during like what time was the round in in London? It was quite late. I think four thirty. Okay, so how much prep would you do the next day? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean the day uh, of the match. Yeah, I would say around maybe two hours in total. Okay, seems reasonable. Yeah, like and that in two hours in total, it's around like uh, I would say half an hour trying to decide what to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe half an hour to an hour analyzing something, and then the rest half hour hour to to rehearse my old notes. Okay. And so, like, basically, I mean, basically, what I'm trying to say is that I try to do as big part as possible of the work at home before the tournament. Right. To not have to spend a lot of time analyzing. That makes sense. Um, But in terms of analyzing, so it would be a specific opening that you might see, or what? Yeah, exactly. Or like, even if some opening where I didn't update myself for a while, then I might have to do some some updating and so on. I mean, basically, where I feel that I need need a bit extra. Okay, because we've had some guests on the podcast, and this wasn't like on my radar as like um, a top level preparation method, but they like in prior to talking to people, but they've said that they actually they look at their players, their opponents tendencies as much as uh, their actual openings. Do you you incorporate that or do you focus more on what you're likely to see on the board? No, but uh, I'm playing also many different openings. So for me, it's it's a big part to try to understand my like. I mean, let's say you you have some opponent who clearly thrives in chaos. Then okay, you try to prepare something more solid, more normally. Okay. And and the other way around, like you play some solid guy, then you might want to take some more risks. And uh, I mean, generally, I'm I'm quite uh, happy to adapt to my opponent. Uh, 
and his style. Okay. So of course I try to to understand. And also, I mean, it's a lot is just about I mean, experience yourself and secondhand experience. Like, okay, you play some guy, you ask uh, your friends who has played uh, played him before. Like, how how is he playing? And he might tell you like uh, he often gets into time trouble or like he is very quick in tactics. I mean, it can be anything. So you try to gather as much information as possible. Uh, right. And my feeling is that often uh, you have to experience it live to be able to really understand. Uh, like I can tell some things for, from just games, but to actually have been there or to talk with someone who have been there is much more helpful. You get, gain a lot more from that. Okay. Then, huh, that's interesting. So you mean like, so playing, having played someone you're saying makes a bigger difference or like, what do you mean by having been there? I mean, having seen him play before. Like, okay. Uh, like yeah. I, let's say I'm, I'm sitting next to someone and we play like the next day. Then I saw already like a lot of how he acts and like uh, more or less how he behaves. And I mean, plays, I mean, it's, you can, you can tell a lot of things just from looking like observing. Okay. And I don't think you can tell as much from just browsing through games that was played by the player. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I'm guessing you know most of the players you're playing, right? Even in these open tournaments? Some of them, but not not all of them. I mean, basically, there are so many players nowadays. It's, it's impossible to, to know them all. But um, uh, yeah, that that... Sometimes, sometimes not, yeah. Okay. Quite often, yes, but definitely not all the time. Okay. All right, so uh, so switching topics a bit, and there was one one topic that, of course, the chess world has been buzzing about. I don't know if you've uh, been on the record about this yet, but what was your take on uh, this Alpha Zero paper that was published? I I think it's quite important. I've heard uh, people complaining that the match wasn't fair and so on, but as far as I understood, uh, I mean, the way this Alpha Zero works is completely different. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it doesn't have the same ways of algorithms and so on. Like it, it, it simply doesn't work at all. Like in, and so I mean, I don't care so much. I mean, of course, it was a bit exaggerated. These four hours, and I mean, because it was quite a good machinery, and uh, right. Of course, the conditions for stockfish. Maybe it was some slightly old version, and I mean, but that's not the point. The point is that it's a completely new way of, I mean, how to how to play chess and how to like analyze chess from from a computer's perspective. Yeah, and whether like it simply works in a different that's the important part and we shouldn't be like um misled by by like these quite unimportant things like the conditions and time limit and whatever. I mean Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean I think uh both things can be true. Like it would be nice to see it in like sort of a, a fairer fight, as it were. But I don't think I think it diminishes the accomplishment only slightly. I mean, it's such a exactly exactly. It's it's not okay. It's it just makes a very small difference from what we have seen. Yeah. Yeah. So, how do you think this will impact chess uh, at the top level? Uh, well, I mean, as far as I understood, I'm not an expert, but it's quite far from being commercially available. I guess. Right. Well, so, I don't know if you saw the chess.com thing where they asked uh, a bunch of the top players, like, how much would you pay for this if you could? Uh, yeah, 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 sure. But, okay, it's also very difficult to... Yeah. To, like, yeah. Like, well, what Aronian said was quite interesting and I think quite true that uh, it's more about getting used to your engine and, like, to be able to cooperate well with it. Right. 
and just like objective strength is not as important as actually trying to like actually understanding each other. Yeah, that makes sense. So do you think it's going to like revolutionize, like say it does become available to top players at some point in a couple years, like how much do you think it'll change something like opening theory? Uh, I think it will change quite a lot, but, but okay, we shouldn't forget that we are still playing ourselves and it's impossible to remember so much. And I mean, it, it will just be, I think, uh, the develop. Like we have now also, I mean, the theory is developing and so on. Like new openings get um, uh, get popular and old openings disappear because they are not good enough and so on. Yeah. So I think it will just, like, it will be the same process, but just much faster. Okay. Like it, it will change just, uh, you have to be like even more up to date, I guess. Okay. And are you generally like an advocate of uh, Chess 960 or something that... Uh um, limits the preparation required? I don't think so. I mean, no, actually not. I, th- I mean, generally, if we, if you look at like the picture, a bit like a, a bigger picture, like let's say we take uh, 10 years or 15 years, the problems are much smaller now than they were like 10 years ago, I think, or 15 years ago. Then the talk about chess being exhausted and too many long lines and everything analyzed to the dev, they were much more, I mean, much bigger then. Right. Now. now we have more more percentage of the games actually going out, out from theory early on. And I mean, generally the trend is, I think, quite positive. Like The computers are actually making us play more different things because even the what was previously considered dubious stuff is now, I mean, quite playable. That's interesting. Um, so, sorry. I mean, I'm not worried at all, basically. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, um, I mean, and then, okay, it's do we need 960? I mean, we don't need it, but it could potentially be interesting anyway. Right. But, oh. I mean, I, I haven't played myself a lot, so I... Okay. I don't really know. And what about time controls? Like, do you uh, do you think that the faster ones are better because they induce more errors, or do you are you like a classical uh, aficionado? I think. I mean, personally, I prefer long games because I really like the depth. But I think it's important just to do what uh, what the viewers and the spectators. I mean, what they what they want to see. If they want to have shorter time controls, then we should adapt, I think. Yeah, unfortunately, they, mean, just, we, they just argue. We don't know what they want. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, like, uh, generally, I also think a mix is very... Like, it's very nice to have all these, uh, for example, Grand Chess Tour with Rapid and Blitz, and then in Zurich with one hour, and then, but, and then you have the like Candidates Tournament with seven-hour games and 14 rounds. I mean, just the feeling will be special then because it's so rare. Yeah. So yes, we shouldn't just uh, have everything the same. I think it's important. I agree. Which is, I mean, very uh, unpleasant for the players because they have to adapt. But that's, right. I think... I was going to ask... How, we have to accept, I mean. How do you feel like your rapid and blitz skills match up to your classical? I'm slightly weaker, mainly due to lack of training. Okay. Like I'm playing many more, uh, let's say, classical tournaments. So I'm stronger there. Okay. But that's not, uh, I mean, I'm not going to blame the, the format of the Rapids. It's just, I'm just going to blame myself for being so weak. Oh, I, I, yeah. I, a lot I, of us would love to be as weak as you, so. Yeah, okay. No, I mean, but, but, but you know what I mean. I mean yeah, no, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I mean, it's all uh, relative. 
we we have to adapt. Yeah. Like, yeah. The audience shouldn't adapt to us like if they want something <laughs> right. else. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, speaking of the the audience and like uh, you know um, making a living at chess. So how how are conditions in Sweden? For I mean, you're the number one player in Sweden. So do you feel sufficiently supported there? Uh, personally, I have some support from the federation. They are trying to like uh, support uh, me when I go to tournaments and uh, even some coaches from time to time. I mean, there is some. Uh, some support but on a more general point from like we didn't send the team to the european team championship yeah jan mentioned that <laughs> as another which question is, to ask yeah, you exactly which is uh, i mean uh, it's uh, to me it's a bit strange that the federation with uh, so many members and uh, like generally i uh, what i thought was quite healthy I mean, working quite well, uh, couldn't afford to send a team. I mean, to like all countries were sending teams, basically. Yeah, it is we strange. We were one of very, very few who couldn't manage. And this, I think, is very uh, strange. Yeah. And were you given an explanation? I'm, I mean, just that there's no money, yeah, they said? Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they simply said there is no money. They, they want to spend the money on other things. Okay. And okay, I know that we are, uh, like, quite, I think we have, we're doing quite well in chess in schools in different kinds and... Uh, like that's the main aim. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so that that'll grow the base. But yeah, they they have to support you guys at the top too. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's uh, it's also like uh, about dignity. I would say, like, yeah, I, we are not like a developing country. We are a proper country with like proper finances, and we should simply be able to send the team. I mean, no no question about it. Yeah, I, I agree. Um. So. So, like, uh, what do you think needs to happen to get to get that changed? Like, uh, is it just a matter of the person signing the checks changing their mind, or do you need like a public outcry or what? I mean, it's the thing is that it's it, it easily gets a down downward spiral, or like if conditions aren't that great, then less people will try to become chess professionals. Right. They will be weaker, and thus there will be less interest in sending a team. Yeah, or pro- supporting. I mean, it will just go <laughs> go down from there. So, no, I mean, uh, it's not an easy question because also, like, okay, we want more money, but what are we actually doing for it? Right. We also have to uh, like uh, give back in some way. And well, I'm sure. I mean, I shouldn't speak for you, but I'm. You know, you seem like someone who would be willing to do that. Definitely, and I think also yes, by 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 playing itself is quite quite a big. Uh, give back to to them i mean our federation is appearing in many different tournaments and so on yeah being represented and uh, so but do you feel like your life over the next few years like it's it's viable like you're you know you're able to to pursue getting better at chess definitely definitely that's good Uh, yes but also what uh what is a positive thing for me personally is that i'm interested in uh not only playing chess. I mean, I, I quite enjoy, like, let's say I was doing some commentary or I was a second and I even did some teachings. And I, I quite like all these aspects. Like, okay. it's not only play. I, I know a lot of players who just wants to play. Right. And they, they think everything else is just if they really need to. Yeah. But for me, even if I'm allowed to choose freely, I wouldn't only play. Okay. That's... I would also do some different things. I mean, because I, I think... It very could very well be like beneficial also for my own career, but 
just out of general interest. I, I, I'm interested in more things than just playing. Okay. So do you have any, you said you've done a bit of teaching. Do you have any students currently? Uh, I mean, I don't really have regular students because, uh, I mean, combining that with uh, with playing yourself is a bit tough, like if you really yeah. want to get involved. But, uh, like, I have, I give some, some training. I mean, I have some training camps, for example. Or Okay. Now that we didn't play uh, in the European teams, I was actually seconding the Danish team. Oh, funny. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, some, some stuff like that I do from time to time. Like, when, uh, when my schedule permits and I, there is some interesting offer, I'm happy to, like, uh, so, do that, those kind of stuff as well. So when you're running a training camp, like, what kind of material would you present? How do you orchestrate it? Well, I haven't done too many of those, but just, it could be any any theme, like. Okay. So I mean, just, just showing any, like, yeah. Okay. And we did have a, a question from, from a listener. Um, people who have donated to the podcast find out who's going to be the guest, and they get to ask uh questions in advance if they wish and uh chris wainscott asked uh if you have a chess tactics book recommendation um mm. or like how how did you become so tactically sharp <laughs> well i don't think my recommendation <laughs> is very valid because i i grew up playing a lot of bug house oh funny <laughs> like like really really a lot of bug house nice and i think it kind of like some some sharpness were evolving from that so you think it is useful uh, yes, but not uh, in comparison to the time you have to spend. I mean, it right. would have been much more useful to solve tactics. So have you played with them. like uh, MVL and Aronian and the other? Yes, uh, yes, yes. We, we've played quite what a bit. Are, I used to play on, online actually quite a bit. So uh, so what's, uh, who do you think is the strongest bug house player in the world? Mm, my guess is that well, it won't be one of the top grandmasters. Okay. Like but, maybe like I I would probably guess that like MVL uh, no I'm sorry Aronian and me make it in the top five perhaps on a good day like okay. if we get some practice but nice I mean that's about it I I guess I mean, because I mean as with any game like you have to spend so much time to actually become really really strong and right I'm sure we have we have potential like let's say we would sit down a couple of months instead right. of chess we would play bugouts then we would probably be be the best but uh, have you studied it much like obviously not for months but uh how like what's what's made you as good as you are playing a lot just playing okay i mean online i have some i don't know 20 25000 games oh wow which is which is quite a lot i mean uh, much more than i've played blitz for example wow that's that's, that's amazing yeah yeah I, I played quite a lot when i was a kid i thought it was really funny yeah and i, I still happily play but uh, but it's it's less, of course. Yeah, I mean, for one thing, there's not that many people you can play now. I would no, guess. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, no, but there are some 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 ch- some not so strong chess players who are very strong in bugos. Right. They exist and they play mainly online. Okay. Um, interesting. So, if we were to broaden it out, so maybe not a tactics book generally, but do you have any any books in, that were particularly formative for you uh, in your ascent as a kid? Hmm. Like the books probably is the one that are written in a very inspirational way, I guess. Like uh, I was very fond of Pologevsky's book, uh, Grand. I think it's called Grandmaster Preparation or or something like that. Okay. I mean, because it was just written in such a personal way, and you could really like uh, 
you know, lots of these stories, how he was up all night analyzing some ending and finally six o'clock in the morning find some key like finesse and then manage to win the uh, I mean a John game the next day and I mean su- such stories always made me very inspired to yeah to work on chess and to play chess and uh, yeah like, but- and, and that I guess is very personal what kind of inspiration you get so. no but yeah they do make a big difference it feels like you have a hook you know like like you you have more of a rooting interest in the book yeah, definitely, definitely. So do you have any, like, uh, I mean, you were obviously a top scholastic player in your country coming up, played in the world events and stuff like that. Like, do you have any, like, career highlight or standout memory? When, I mean, I know you're you're young and still still improving, but do, do you have yes, any? Yes, I'm hoping to have them <laughs> ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I mean, I, I did win the European under 18 once, so that was quite nice. Okay. And was that like a tense affair for you? Or do you like when you think of it, what what emotion do you feel? Uh, I mean, in, just, in what way do you mean? I mean, yeah, I mean, I just mean, like, how specifically do you remember? Like, okay, I'm going into the last round, I need to win. Like, you know, this is do you feel like this is the most important game of my life? Or are you just sort of like, taking it one step at a time? And then we boom. are yeah, kind of taking it one step at a time. I, I mean, uh, I don't. It was actually surprisingly smooth that year. I mean, I didn't. I made. Uh, I won some games. I made a couple of quite short draws. I won some more when I had the chance, and then some more short draw. I mean, it was basically right. like that. So, okay. Like I think, I don't even remember. But I think last round was also like twenty move draw with white, and then yes, <laughs> uh, kind of hoping for the tie breaks, and they were in my favor. Nice. Okay. Like, and they were also very likely to be in my favor. I mean, that was the point. But, okay. Uh, and what but about? See, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, not, no specific. Okay, and what about I mean, like when you got the grandmaster title? Anything? I mean, did I? You got it seven years ago, so I guess. Yeah, it was also yeah, and, 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 and that was actually the same. So like, I was, I was doing quite well in the tournament in Sarajevo in the open tournament. I played some guy of more or less my strength who didn't seem very ambitious, and we made draw in like fifteen moves. <laughs> Okay. I mean, it was similar. Uh, it was kind of a similar experience. Okay, so, so I'm going to break the third wall for a minute and address the listeners because I just want to say, like, I'm blessed, you know, to have a lot of people listen to this podcast and most people hopefully enjoy it. But uh, one consistent thing that some people say to me is, you know, you have to get more stories from when they're coming up. How did they get a grandmaster norm? You know, how did they uh, uh, become uh, so good? And I always. And my defense generally, I do try to draw that out a bit, but my defense generally is basically what you said. Like you, you were like, you were like a comet shooting upward, you know? So it's, it's not like, you know, it came fairly naturally to you, I would say. Like, I mean, obviously you put in work, but it's not like you're pushing, pushing, pushing and like have some huge breakthrough when you become a grandmaster at 17, in my humble opinion. So, yeah, no, definitely. That's, I mean, that's very much to the point. I think in terms of like experience and uh, like interest, and uh, it's it, for me personally, this when I was allowed to play the Norway chess was the most important part of my career i guess okay I mean, well, I, it, it was two years ago uh-huh or, or one and one and a half uh i mean basically it was me and number one to 12 on the list or something like that so what uh, like i mean lee chow was by far the lowest rated player apart from me wow and i think he was number 15 16 something like that i mean it's that's incredible yeah it was very very tough so i mean and that was the like really 
an amazing experience for me to play all of them. So who else was in that tournament? Yeah, I mean all of them. Everyone? Okay. <laughs> no, not not every one of them, but like I started by playing Kramnik. Uh-huh. Wow. I, I was very close to holding some ending. I had to make one more precise move. I failed. Uh-huh. He won. Uh, Typical Kramnik game. White, right? Then I was going white against Levon next game. I drew, and then after that, I think I was black with uh, Carlson. Oh, man. <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, top of MBL. Uh, so what does uh, it feel like to, to just someone. sit down at the board against someone like Kramnik? Like, uh, what's that moment like? Are you able to just, like, treat it like another game at this point? Mm, I think generally, for example, when when we played in other tournaments, like, let's say, the Isle of Man, when I played Fabier in some Olympiads and so on. I mean, it's been basically fine. I was performing quite well. But somehow, uh, this no HS, because it's around Robin and, you know, in advance, and, uh, like, there is a lot of tension building up. I mean, gradually, for, for many weeks even. Right. Even some months. So that's... That actually, I think, I handled a bit worse than... Uh, than just uh, the random the old games in different tournaments. That that so, makes total sense to me. I had I, mean, I also played uh, I think considerably better the last three four games than I did in the once in you the got first. acclimated. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, then uh, that, that's again uh, kind of a case of uh, I think next time will just be much better, <laughs> much easier. Yeah. But that's then the problem that such tournaments. I mean, a game here and there, but such tournaments, they are not coming every day. So Right, of course. Yeah. Like I should probably have worked even harder on, on just that psychological aspect. Okay. But then, uh, I mean, it's it's very difficult. Even if you know it in advance, it's, it's I mean, it will be difficult <laughs> I yeah. mean, to, to, like, be prepared for the, for the feeling right. of sitting down. Okay, so Nils, I just have a couple more questions, if you don't mind. Sure, sure. Um, so... What's like? Do you have? We talked about your, you know, your goals as it relates to your chess play. Do you have like a rating or achievement goal that you're driving towards right now? Uh, no, basically my goal has for a long time been to become a little bit stronger. That's great. That's and a good that's, attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's uh, at the same time a very small goal, but also a very big one. Right. Because if you, if you manage it for some time, then. At some point, you will be quite strong. Yeah, and do you so, feel like I, you're you're like whether it's reflected in your results or not right now? Do you, do you feel like you're you're pushing forward or kind of at a plateau? I think so. I think so. I mean, my rating doesn't indicate it, but I feel that I know much more about the game than I did, let's say, some years ago, like two, three years ago, when was my rating was basically the same. Right. Now I I feel I'm a much stronger player. I just have to like, it's just the small final parts that need to come together for me to. To play a bit better than before. Okay. I'm I'm feeling some development, but I mean, we will see in my in my tournaments, of course. Yeah, yeah, they they are they're the final scorekeeper, but uh, yes, definitely, definitely. But um, but yeah, I mean, you're you know, you, it sounds like you're putting in a lot of time, and obviously young and great at chess, so no reason you can't keep going upward. <laughs> yeah, I'm, ho- I'm hoping so. But. So, um, but it's not easy. I mean, of course, all my opponents are also trying. So, yeah, but it's interesting work. I, I really like to like try at least. Good. <laughs> uh, so, what do you? What else are you interested in besides chess? Uh, like, what are your, do you have any hobbies outside of chess or interests? Not, uh, not really any specific ones. Like, 
my free time, I basically hang out with friends and so on. So, like, what do you do, like, with your girlfriend or friends? Are you someone who goes out or stays in or...? A bit of each. I mean, in, I, I, for me, it doesn't matter so much the activity. Yes, okay, it's important to just yes, spend time with uh, with uh, with people. Nice. I'm, that's generally, what, I'm, I'm I'm quite quite a social. That's person, why you like so bug I, house, right? Yeah, <laughs> possibly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it no, is especially the life as a chess player is. Uh, you know, you 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 don't have so much social interaction in your everyday life. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's even more important to like come out and meet friends and so on. So. Yeah, and I think I saw you mention that uh, t- team tournaments are amongst your favorite events. So, in yeah, a, I like this. It's, uh, it's it's more interesting, I think, or in, in some ways at least. In a similar vein, yeah. Um, okay. Well, Nils, I don't think I have any other questions. Uh, let me just. Yeah, I think I think I've covered everything. I really appreciate you taking the time, and this was a lot of fun. Yes, definitely. Me, me too. It was nice to have a chat. <laughs> Excellent. Now, if I don't know if you're like you know you're a bit of a public figure, especially I'm sure in Sweden. So I don't know. Uh, are you on social media at all? Um, is there any way that people should who if they would like to track you could? Yes, I'm on Twitter. Okay. GM Grandelius. Okay. All right, so I'll, main, uh, yeah, I'll put a link to that, and uh, I and our listeners will be um, tracking your results in, uh, in Sweden and onward. So uh, continued success, Nils. Thank you very much. Thanks to everyone who supports Perpetual Chess. I spend about five hours a week on each episode, and even though I love doing the show, it can be hard to find the time. Donations from listeners make a huge difference and make Perpetual Chess a lot more sustainable. Special shout out to my Patreon and PayPal Perpetual Partners. They are Adrian Gutierrez, Chris Wainscott, Coach Stage Chess Academy, Chris Flanagan, Gary Andrews, Greg Shahadi, Jason Dunbar, Jennifer Valens, John Fernandez, Jen Shahadi, Jen Scream, Johnny McMenamin, Kelly Palmer, Krishna Galapakrishnan, Matthew Tedesco, Pascal Charbonneau, Paul Sweeney, Ricky Grahava, Rob Zorchek, Tatyav Abrahamian, Tim Seymour, Todd Bryant, and Zhao Chang. I'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks, everyone. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.